Welcome to the Lighthouse Community Podcast. Thank you for joining us today. We hope today's teaching will encourage you in your faith and help you develop an increasing desire to walk with God. Let's listen in. I loved how Trent described our bats and said it's gonna be it's gonna be like a little Caesar's pizza, hot and ready, right? Like <laughs> it's like I was thinking about that. We said, I was like, oh man, what are we having for lunch today? Ah, oh, good. Well, hey, I wanna I wanna welcome you to Lighthouse Community. So glad every one of you are here. Especially want to welcome all of our guests. My name is Fritz Bielo. I'm one of the pastors. Uh, Bluff, or excuse me, Fostoria Communities join us today. So we're super glad that you are with us today, and then everybody at Lighthouse Online. Uh, thank you for being with us. Now, there's uh, a saying that I think if I start it, you could probably finish it for me, and the saying is this, confession is good for? Yes, yes it is. And uh, so I was looking this week, and there's been some anonymous confessions that are out there, and I thought I'd share some with you. Uh, one of them is when I FaceTime with anyone, I'm really just looking at myself the whole time. So. <laughs> Yes, let it out, let it out. Uh, sometimes I hide in the bathroom at work so I don't have to do anything. <laughs> you know who you are. Um, when, I, when I walk through automatic doors, I always wave my hand so I can pretend I'm a Jedi. Yes, right? Yes, right? Amen, amen. Uh, raisin co- this, is, this was really, this is like deep. Uh, raisin cookies that look like chocolate chip cookies are the main reason I have trust issues. So, right? Like, uh, yeah, <laughs> yes. And, and in the spirit of all this confession, I felt that I, too, needed to do this myself. So from a personal standpoint, um, I do need to confess to Ms. Phillips, our English teacher in high school. Uh, it was me. I was one of them who toilet papered your house and forked your, yard, your yard and egged your door. Uh, we may have started a rumor that you are a man. Uh, right? Uh, yeah. So I just got to let it out. <laughs> right? Whew, right? I feel so much. Who next? Right? Who? Uh, okay. All right, well, it, it's good to be honest sometimes, right? Um, and it's scary to be honest uh, if, if we're just talking plainly because it's like if I'm honest, what will happen if I get transparent with someone else? Will, will they accept what I have to say or how I think? Um, will they use that as ammo the next time we get into some kind of a debate or, or argument? And I just, I don't know if I can be real with other people. And so what ends up happening is some of us end up kind of leading double lives, right? We, we hide our feelings, our emotions, our thoughts, um, and we kind of live this double life carrying around the weight of our secrets. But, but it's good to be honest. It's, it's biblical to be honest, right? When we're honest and truthful, what that does is it builds trust within our friendships, right? When we're, when we're truthful with one another. Uh, honesty leads to legitimate problem solving because now we know what we're actually dealing with rather than masking it with something else. Uh, truth is one of the uh, aspects of growing into the character of Jesus Christ. Honesty demonstrates love. So the question, if all of that is true, and it is, the question becomes, why do we struggle so much to be honest with one another? Why do we struggle to trust the other people in our lives? Because we do, right? We, stu- we struggle to trust one another. And so today what I want to do is I'd like to show you from the Bible why we struggle to trust one another. And then I want to show you how faith in Jesus can transform your life. And then I'd like to put one step in front of all of us that we could take today that will move us towards trust and wholeness 
in Jesus Christ. So as Trent mentioned, uh, if you will open up your Bibles to Genesis chapter 2, or you can click over there on your device, we're in this series called God Made Marriage, and, and we're looking at two things at the same time. We are looking at marriage, but the Bible says that marriage reveals truth about the gospel to us, and so we're also looking at the gospel because the Bible says the gospel speaks into our marriage relationships as well. Now, I had mentioned, uh, I think in our first week of the series, that the further we get into this series, we'll actually begin to talk more and more about the gospel and expose that with clarity. And so I think you're going to begin to see that shift a little bit more today. So uh, if you brought a Bible, let's go ahead and go to Genesis chapter 2. And you know what? It's just one verse. So let's go ahead and read this uh, out loud together, starting with, and the man and his wife. Are you ready? All of our locations, let's do it together. Go. And the man and his wife were both yeah, I wanted you to say it. Yeah, I wanted to hear it. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> gotcha. Okay, uh, pick it up with, and we're not ashamed. Are you ready? Go. And we're not ashamed. Yes, and not ashamed. So, so here's the first truth that comes out of this, is that God sees all of you. God sees all of you. When, when God made Adam and Eve, he created them physically naked. That, that is how he created them, right? They were just naked. Nothing there, that's it. And so I want you to imagine for just a moment, you are a Hebrew in ancient Israel before Jesus has come along, and you're in synagogue, and you're hearing Genesis chapter 2 read out loud, and you get to verse 25, and you hear read, a man and his wife were both naked, and they were not ashamed. Put yourself in that mindset, because if you would have heard that in synagogue, you would have been amazed, right? Like this, this is how they lived. They lived without clothes. They were naked, right? It almost would have been offensive to read that. I go, no, that, that's, that can't be that way. Because when you go uh, further, um, excuse me, I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself right now. But, it, but again, they're, they're seeing this, this in the scripture and they're going, yeah, you can't be naked and not be embarrassed, right? But the Bible says they're both naked. They're not embarrassed at all. And so this physical nakedness, what it does is it points to a couple other things. One, it points to their innocence, Adam and Eve's innocence. It also points to the fact that they were without sin at this point. But a third thing that it also points to is the level of trust that Adam and Eve shared with one another in their marriage, right? And I want you to think about this. The created position of humanity is total and full disclosure before the Lord, and before each other. Let me say that again, because it's really, really important to hear that, because it's also very threatening, right? Because the created position of humanity is full disclosure before the Lord and before each other. That's how we were designed. And that's a very important truth about God, is that God sees everything. We, we call that his omniscience, right? He knows everything. He sees everything. God sees what others don't see. God sees who we truly are. And, and there's this really clear picture of that painted in 1 Samuel chapter 16 when God is choosing a new king for Israel, and everybody assumed that it's going to be somebody who was like Saul, the, the first king, somebody who's big and tall and strong and powerful, and then God chose the next king, and it was... Little bitty runny David, right, who, who hung out and took care of the sheep. And people going, what? 
God, I think that's not right. You've been in heaven too long, right? This, this, that ain't the guy. And look at what Jesus, excuse me, look at what God says in response to that. He says, for the Lord sees not as man sees. And he, he paints a picture of both. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the, on the heart. He looks on the heart. I see what you don't see. I see things that you don't see. God sees who we truly are. We're naked before him, but that's how we're meant to live. We're meant to live that way before God, completely transparent, hiding absolutely nothing. And in fact, that's what the spiritual habit of confession is. It's, it's, here's a confession when you bring it all the way down to a confession is choosing to reveal to God that which he already knows. Okay, that's what confession is. It's choosing to reveal that which God already knows and has already seen. And so you need to understand this truth is that God sees you. God sees you. He sees all of you. Every aspect of your life. And he loves you passionately. Right? You have to know that. So for Adam and Eve, nakedness was not an embarrassment, but all of that began to change. If you look at Genesis chapter 3, starting in verse 1, it says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate. Then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. Here's the second truth. Sin brings shame. Sin brings shame. And so Adam and Eve's action of sin, their action of sin was eating the fruit but sin began before that moment, right? Where sin really began to start is when they chose to trust themselves instead of relying on God. That's the essence of sin, by the way, right? We all kind of go, well, it's lying, it's hurting people, it's taking advantage, it's stealing, it's all of that stuff. And yes, those are the manifestations of, this, of sin. But the essence, the nugget, the kernel, the irreducible minimum of sin is I will choose to trust myself instead of relying on the Lord. That's the essence of sin, and after sin entered the world, a shift happened. Nakedness was now an embarrassment. Nakedness had become shameful. It had become something to cover up. Nakedness had become something to hide. And as you fast forward to the Old Testament, you see verses that talk about, you know, like forbidding looking on the nakedness of another person other than your, your spouse, right? That it's a sin to do that. You even get to Isaiah chapter 47 in which uh, nakedness is equated with disgrace, okay? What a transition from Genesis chapter 2 to be nakedness, naked and without embarrassment to go all the way that nakedness and disgrace are synonymous with one another, right? 
But nakedness became shameful because our hearts became sinful. And so sin brings shame. One theologian helps us understand shame. He wrote this. He said, shame is primarily an emotional response to guilt. In Genesis 3, however, it is their knowledge. Okay, we read that in the scriptures. It's their knowledge that led to their understanding of personal shame. And so he says, true guilt is not manifest primarily in feeling, but true guilt, it comes from knowledge, right? From knowledge. And so our shame comes from the knowledge that we are separated from God because of our sin. And that's really where shame comes from. And so what do we do? We look for ways to cover up our shame. And I'm thinking, you know, I think we're about a week away from, you know, the, the night where people, you know, dress up and, and they pretend to be somebody else and they go out and they, they go looking for candy as much as they can and they avoid the houses that hand out the toothbrushes and, and, right, and you eat way too much. And I'll tell you, I thank the Lord for dad tax uh, on that night because uh, that is a good gift. But um, so, so that one night a year, you got people, you know, they got the masks and the whatever, and they're pretending to be someone that they always wanted to be, and they dress up, and, and they do that this one night. And yet I started thinking that for some of us, that's actually our everyday. We put on a mask, we wear a costume, and we hide our true feelings. We, we refuse to disclose what we're really thinking. We, we, we are not transparent with who we truly are. Because you're afraid, right? You're, you're afraid of what may happen if you do that. And, and this happens in the workplace, happens in the church. Uh, it happens quite often in marriages, right? People refusing to be transparent with one another because, because we carry shame from past decisions that we've made. We carry shame from, from pre previous situations or experiences that have happened to us. We carry shame because of current battles that we're facing and we're not able to overcome yet. We carry shame because of the sin in our lives. And you have to, you have to realize that sin always separates. Sin always separates. It separates us from God and it separates us from one another. And we know, right? We know we should be transparent with each other. And in fact, we want to be transparent. We want to be open. We want to share all of that stuff, but we are afraid because of shame. And that's what sin does. Sin brings shame. And then shame invites us to hide. That's the third truth, is that shame invites us to hide. And, and that comes out of Genesis chapter 3, verse 8. Right? So you have the eating of the fruit, uh, the making of the loincloths, and you get to verse 8, that they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God, check this out, among the trees of the garden. Okay, so, so what happens is shame invited Adam and Eve to hide from God. And I ask you to say trees with me because it's a little bit funny uh, as I'm reading this, right? You have Adam and Eve, they realize they're naked, so what do they do? Uh, I don't know, they grab like some oak leaves or, you know, whatever the biggest ones you can find, and you make this little covering. And then they hear God coming into the Garden of Eden, and their best idea is, let's hide 
we're wearing leaves, so let's go hide among the trees. And God won't find us because he'll think we're trees, <laughs> right? He'll never know. <laughs> it's perfect. This, nobody can foil this plan. And so what the problem is, Psalm 139 tells us what Adam and Eve did not know yet at that point, and it's this, you can't hide from God. Right? Psalm 139 says that, where shall I go from your spirit? Where shall I flee from your presence? This is a rhetorical question. The answer is nowhere. Right? There's nowhere you can go that you can hide from the Lord. Right? You, can, you can cover yourself in leaves. You can paint yourself green and brown. Like It does not matter. God sees you, right? but we try to hide. We try to hide because we hide when we're ashamed because we're keenly aware that we've done something wrong and our unrighteousness is blatant. It's just blatant. You know, it's, it's like the toddler who's potty training, right? And so you're like teaching this young child on how to do potty training, and, and it seems like they're getting it, so you give them a chance, right? They go without the, the pull-up on for the day, and so they're off playing. And, and you start to notice that it's been like 10 or 15 minutes since you've seen the little guy. You know, usually he's coming up saying, oh, look what I can do. And, you know, or uh, painting some picture, and they want you to see it. But there's nowhere to be found. And so you go looking for him. And where is he? Well, he's hiding behind the lamp in the living room, right? Like just standing there and, and his head's down, right? And you go and you find him and go, what, what's going on? Well, they had an accident, right? They made a mistake. And, and, and they, he realizes that, right? He's made a terrible mistake. And, and he's hiding because he knows it was wrong. And he is ashamed. And he doesn't want you to know. And he doesn't want you to find out. Right? Because then you got to go through that embarrassment and the process of, of all that goes along with that. And here's, here's why I share that. We're the kid in potty training. That's, that's who we, we're not mom and dad, right? We're the kid. It, Jesus said it this way in John chapter 3. He said, God's light came into the world, but people loved the darkness more than the light, for their actions were evil. All who do evil hate the light and, check this out, refuse to go near it. Why? For fear that their sins will be exposed. We resist the light of Christ because we're afraid God's going to find out and he's going to see it. He already has. <laughs> That's under the first truth, right? God sees everything. And so in our sin, we hide from the Lord and we hide from each other. And because we don't have a healthy relationship with God, we cannot have healthy relationships with other people. Let me say that again. That is so important to grasp. Because we do not have a healthy relationship with God, we cannot have healthy relationships with other people who have been created in his image. And that is exactly why when we talk about marriage, that's why even married couples will hide things from each other. You will not share about how you really feel. You will not tell everything about your past. You will not tell about the, the thoughts and the fears and the temptations. All, you won't do that. Because, and here's why. Because we all know this principle is true. That in an argument, that, that in a relationship... Any kind, marriage, friendship, doesn't matter. Pants always beats no pants, right? You know what I'm saying? So here's what I'm saying. If I'm transparent with you, if I let everything out, if I'm vulnerable, if I, if I tell you all the things that are really true and that I'm thinking about, and you don't reciprocate, you've left your pants on, 
right? Right? And some of you guys are going, I don't know whether to laugh or what's going on here, right? This seems like a deep truth, but uh, he's like really worded this weird. But it's true. If, 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 you, if, if pants always beats no pants. And so in the future, if you don't get transparent, well, now you have leverage in the relationship and you are in a place of, of authority over me. And so what happens is shame invites you to hide. And we don't get truly transparent with one another. So the question is, well, then what do we do? What, how do we go forward? Well, I think there's two things. You, you have a choice, really. Either you keep hiding. That is a choice. You can do that. But the other choice would be this. Or you can step out of the bushes naked. Right? You either keep hiding or you step out of the bushes naked. But we can't step out of the bushes because we're afraid. And we're not willing to do it. And so we need someone else to go first. Someone else has to go first and step out of the bushes to show us that it can be done. And that's exactly what Jesus did, right? This is exactly what Jesus did. I want you to think about this. Jesus, who is in every aspect God, right? Robed in the righteousness and the glory and the power and the awe and the wonder that is God. That is the same Jesus, right? Like he, he wraps himself in flesh and he enters into our dark and broken world, okay? This is what he does. And he lived a life that we should have lived, but we didn't, right? He lived a life relying on God for absolutely everything. That's how we're supposed to live, but we didn't. And then he dies the death every single one of us deserve to die. He does that in our place. Now, I want you to think about this, that Jesus hung on the cross naked, embarrassed, carrying shame, fully exposed, nowhere to hide, underneath the entire wrath of God, helpless in your place. This is what Jesus did on the cross, right? Ray Ortland, who is now a retired pastor, he said it this way. He said, the gospel says your shame is real, even more real than you know. But this is what God has done. He's put it all onto Christ at the cross, where your substitute was utterly shamed and exposed and condemned for you. Now your shame no longer defines you. What does define you, what does reveal your future forever is this word, adorned. Adorned. Not shamed, but adorned. Lovely attractive, and the moment is coming when he will look into your eyes with glad adoration, and you will look into his eyes with confident surrender, and nothing will ever, ever spoil it again. Yeah, that's right. And so now, because Christ nakedly bore our shame, we can come out of the bushes and come out of the hiding naked before God. So it's like, well, how do you do that? What does that look like? Well, I think it starts like this. You realize that you're already naked before the Lord and the leaves weren't full in him, right? Like your attempts to cover up 
never worked as much as you put your hope into them. And one of the key moments that you begin to realize that you are coming out of the bushes and you're standing naked before the Lord is you'll, you'll actually stop making excuses for your sin. You'll, you'll stop trying to make it sound better than it actually is. And what I mean by that is you'll stop coming to the Lord and going, well, Lord, you know, I, I just, I was being liberal with the truth because I wanted to, uh, you know, hurt, and I didn't want that. No, you'll, you'll go, Lord, I lied. I bold-faced lied right to them because I was afraid, right? And instead of, uh, you'll say things like this, right? God, I wanted them to hurt as much as I did and maybe more, and that's why I did that, right? It's like, Lord, I, I, I have this desire that I want to look on other people's nakedness online, right? I'm just going to put it out there, straightforward, right out there, all of that. And so what will happen is you'll, begin, you'll stop trying to make it sound better, You'll stop trying to make your sin sound better than it is, and you'll just lay it out there for God to know. Because what is confession? Confession is admitting to the Lord what he already knows <laughs> about you. He's already seen it. He already knows what's in your heart. He already knows what's in your mind, right? You, your leaves are not covering your nakedness. And so you know you're coming out of the bushes when you just very blatantly, very straightforward, very transparently share before the Lord what's really going on in your heart. And when that happens, when you begin to confess that way, what happens is this. You begin to rightly see your sin, and you begin to, in a fresh way, realize your own need for forgiveness, your own need for reconciliation with the Lord. And as that happens, the Holy Spirit begins to draw your heart to the light of Christ, right? Where usually you're, you're afraid of the light. You like the darkness because you don't want your sin to be exposed. Well, guess what? You already stepped out. And so now there's this desire to come in to the light. And when you ask for forgiveness and you're putting your full weight on Christ, here's what's awesome. This is why God's different from us. When you come out into the light, when you ask for forgiveness, you step out of the bushes, God doesn't chastise you. He doesn't ridicule you for being naked and hiding. You know what God does? You know what God does when you step out of the bushes naked, straightforward, you just confess everything and it is? Here's what God does. God clothes you. You see this in Genesis 3? You see it all throughout the New Testament. God makes garments for you to wear. God clothes you in the righteousness of Christ. That's what happens when you step out. And so now you don't have to disguise yourself anymore. You can actually live naked, right, metaphorically. Okay, we're not starting a commune here. But, right, you can, you can live transparently uh, with other people. And especially in the context of marriage, you can do that with your spouse, you can live transparent with your spouse, and you can sit down and you can talk about the feelings and the thoughts and, and, and even the temptations that you're facing. You know, this is something, even still today, Christina and I, like God is still growing us in this. I remember for years, um, I just would not share with Christina uh, thoughts, feelings. I didn't even want to talk about like what went on in my day, because number one, because I didn't care. I didn't think anybody else cared either, so I didn't want to share that. But there was a level where I just didn't trust her, right? But, but at the same time, I deeply wanted to talk to her. I wanted to share what was going on in my mind and in my spirit and all of those kinds of things, but I was afraid, right? And I began, I began to see that more and more. And so I was hiding from her because still in some ways I was hiding from the Lord. And as the Holy Spirit was warming my heart with the gospel, I started taking risks on, you know, being transparent with her. And I would share some thoughts I would have and I would see how that would go. It's like, oh, okay, she's still around. All right, let's go a little bit further. Let's go a little bit further, right? Even to the point we're sharing temptations. Just, just this week, right? That's just already shared kind of in this really challenging week. And I remember telling Christine, I said, hey, I just, I need to tell you something. I don't need you to do anything. 
but I just need you to know this thing. Like, I'm really angry right now. I'm not angry at anyone. I'm just angry at stuff and situations and things that are going on. And I just need someone else besides me and the Lord to know. And so she sat, she sat and she let me talk for just a couple of minutes on what was going through. And I knew I could just be totally honest with her. And, um, right, she just listened. And then before I left for the day, we prayed together. And it was amazing, right? It was like this great moment between the two of us. And we're learning how to hold on to each other through Christ. And so you can be transparent with your spouse or with someone else when you know you're clothed in Christ. Now, you can go full disclosure with the Lord, but in a, in a practical sense, right, like with other people, I think you take steps into transparency. You take steps into vulnerability with another person. And you go, well, well why? why? You can be fully dis- disclosed with the Lord. Why do you got to take steps with people? Well, the Lord is holy and perfect, and you are not. <laughs> right? that's, that's the plain forward truth, right? God's perfect, and none of us are. And so I think vulnerability in, in human relationships is like walking into the ocean, right? Or it's walking into Lake Erie. And so there's, you, you, step, you take your first step into the water, you're like, oh, okay. And then you take another step, and it gets a little bit deeper. Take another step, you get a little deeper, a little bit deeper. And you just keep taking it one step at a time into vulnerability and tra- transparency right? Walking with people. What happens sometimes in our culture is you get people who are just like, well, well, real transparency is just going all full bore. And so they run and they like cannonball, you know, right in there. And then there's like this whole mess and splash and waves are going all over. And people are like, oh, I don't think I'm into that. And they leave, right? They get out of the water and they head out. And so I think there's this kind of stepping into transparency and vulnerability with one another, uh, learning how uh, to rely on the Lord and each other. So take it one step at a time. Now, now some of us, right, like you have been burned in the past after being vulnerable and transparent with another person. And you're still reeling from the effects of that. And even having this conversation, like, is raising anxiety levels for you. And you're going, I, that's fine for other people who haven't experienced what I have, but you don't know what I've gone through. So the question you're going is, how do I do this? How do I move forward with this that, that's being taught in the scriptures? And I think it's this. What I'm about to say is not easy. It's simple, but it is not easy. I think the pathway forward is this. Forgiveness. I think you have to forgive. I think that's the only way forward. You just, you just have to forgive. And you have to absorb the hurt that was doled out to you, right? Knowing that you will never be paid back. Nobody could ever pay back the hurt that you have experienced in your life, right? Because it's in the same way, in the same way that Jesus has absorbed your sin, has absorbed your hurt, right? He just took it on himself. That's really what forgiveness looks like, right? We know that nobody could ever pay us back for the wrong that they've done, right? It will never happen. And so you just have to forgive. That's forgiveness. And, And I think the other thing on that is you do this, is you resist asking new friendships, to pay for what past hurtful friendships have done. We do this, right? We get hurt by a friend or someone else in our life, and so what we do is we make new friendships pay what others have done by keeping them at arm's length. When we start seeing signs of what happened before, right, we, we make them pay for what other people did, and I think you have to resist this. For many of us, we have to unlearn this principle. Everybody uses it, and we see it as common knowledge, but the principle is this. You have to earn my trust. I actually think that's a principle most of us need to unlearn, right? Because what ends up happening is no one can earn your trust. No one can ever 
live up to the level that you need them to, and they'll never be able to earn their trust, and you end up living life in isolation. And listen, I get it. I was there, right? Like, I, growing up uh, as a young person, I learned that people who say they love you leave. And so I would not trust so many other people. But again, as the Holy Spirit is transforming my life to follow Jesus Christ more and more, the Holy Spirit begins to change my mind to say, no, not you have to earn my trust, but rather living under a new principle, which is I'm going to give you trust and you'll earn mistrust, right? It's, it's trust is given and mistrust is earned. I'm going to trust you until you prove me long, until you prove me wrong. And so you have to know it, when you go into that, people are going to let you down. They will let you down intentionally, and they'll let you down unintentionally. But isn't that our own relationship with Christ? Isn't that our own relationship? And what does Christ do when we ask Him for forgiveness? You've you've prayed the prayer, Lord. I am. I'm so tired of asking for forgiveness of this. I feel like I'm doing it every day, every week, every whatever. I really thought we had grown past this, but I'm not. And I feel like I don't even deserve your forgiveness, but I'm asking you for it. Thank you. Thank you. And he forgives, and he grabs our hand, and we keep walking together. Right? Now, until you step out of the bushes and you trust Christ by faith, you will never get to this place in your marriage, in your friendships, right? Any other relationship that you have in your life. And so here's the next step that I'd, I'd like to invite everybody at all of our locations, wherever you're joining us, to consider uh, this week. And it's simply this. Confess. Confess, right? Like this week, confess to the Lord all the things you already know that he already knows that you have been trying to hide. And so confess your sin and confess your attempts to clean up your own life without him instead of relying on him. Confess the ways you've tried to hide in the bushes. And right, That's the negative side of confession, but I would confess the positive side too. The confess that I, I, I want you more than anyone else. I believe you're the only one that can change my life and transform who I am, right? Like, I, I, I want to follow you. And so will you help my heart and my mind and all of that to come under that? But until you do that, right, until you start confessing to the Lord, you're, all you're doing is hiding behind the lamp in plain, in plain sight. That's it. God can see you. He can, I promise you. He can see you. And so confess to the Lord. But some are ready to go kind of a, a step further and and. Because James chapter 5, verse 16 says, confess your sins one to another, and the Lord brings healing in that, right? And so the Bible even teaches us to confess our sins to other trusted believers in our lives. And that might be a risk that the Lord is inviting some of you to do and to take this time right, is to actually begin to confess temptation, begin to confess sin to another growing disciple in your life that you know is going to give you good counsel. They're not going to go, oh, it's okay, we all do it, or, or say, well, it's not that big of a deal, or they're not going to beat you down with guilt and all this stuff, but what they're going to do is they're going to point you to hope in the gospel. They're going to point you to transformation in the Holy Spirit. They're going to point you to run back to Jesus, to come out of the bushes, and to walk with him. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, that might be a name you've heard before. This is a, a pastor and theologian who lived in World War II in Germany, right? And he wrote this. He said, a man who confesses his sins in the presence of a brother knows that he is no longer alone with himself. He experiences the presence of God in the reality of the other person. 
As long as I am by myself in the confession of my sins, everything remains in the clear. But in the presence of a brother, the sin has to be brought into the light. Right? In the presence of a brother, the sin has to be brought into the light. And so let me encourage you, husbands, it is time for you to confess to your wife. Thoughts, feelings, emotions. Wives, it's time to confess to your husbands. Right? Believers, it's time to confess to one another and to experience healing in our own lives. And I would say this to everybody. It is, it is time to confess to the Lord. Knowing, knowing that he's not going to ridicule you. He's not going to beat you down further. He's not. What he's going to do? He's going to give you garments to wear. Garments of righteousness. When we confess, we see our sin rightly. When we confess, we're reminded of God's faithfulness and his justice. When we confess, we experience God's grace and forgiveness. When we confess, we're cleansed and made new in Christ. When we confess, we're clothed in Christ. And you and I are set free from shame and from sin. This is what God does. I want to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes at, at all of our locations. And I want you to ask this question. It's a very simple question, but we ask it every weekend. Jesus, what are you saying to me right now? And I just want you to listen to him for, for a moment. to hide. You, you, you would not be uncovering anything the Lord has not already seen. If anything, what you're doing is you're stepping out of the darkness and you're stepping into the light and you're inviting the Holy Spirit to do a work that only he can do that you have been longing for him to do. And so for some of us, it's confessing again. This is going to be our 10,000th time that we have confessed. And for others, today will be the first time. Today will be the first time that we have ever taken the risk to put our faith in Jesus Christ. And it is a worthy risk to take. So let me tell you what we're going to do. The band is making their way up on stage, and they're going to lead us in one more song. And so just as we had prayer earlier in the service, we're going to do that again. And there are going to be prayer leaders in each corner of the room. And so I'm going to ask those prayer leaders if they'll start making their way to their location so they can be ready to receive people. And, and they're available to pray about anything at all in your life. Please, please, please don't ever be embarrassed to want to receive prayer, right? That's, embarrassment is tied to shame and shame is tied to sin. And we're talking about breaking free from that. And so some of you, in, in the first part of the service, you, you so desperately wanted to pray with somebody, and, you, and you're like, ah, I can't. What will people think? I'm afraid. I would be embarrassed to go up there. You have to know that is spiritual battle with the enemy to keep you from experiencing healing and wholeness. And I'm going to be praying that the Holy Spirit gives you courage, that when we stand up, that if God's calling you to do that, that you would walk down the aisle and pray with a brother or sister, right? I'm here most weekends that I will find one of these prayer leaders and ask them to pray with me about many, many things in my life. And it's good. It's good. I meet the presence of the Lord in those moments, and I want that for you too. 
Let me pray for you, and then I want to invite you to do the same. Before we pray, I want to ask everybody here in the house to stand. Uh, here at Lighthouse, just stand right where you're at as we prepare for prayer and for worship. Maybe you'll do the same thing at one of our other locations. I'm sure they're giving you instructions right now on, on what you'll be doing. But let me pray for you. Holy Spirit, I know that there's all kinds of spiritual battle going on right now. There's pushback against truth. There's pushback against clarity. There's pushback against freedom. Shame is trying to cover this moment. And, and we are just in the name of Jesus Christ saying, no, this is a time for freedom. This is a time for light. This is a time uh, not for embarrassment and shame, but actually for honor in Christ and righteousness. And so we ask for that now. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would draw every single person who needs prayer, every person who desires prayer, right now, in Jesus' name, amen. If you'd like to learn more about Lighthouse Community, check out our website at mylighthousecommunity.com or connect with us on Facebook. You're invited to join us live Sunday mornings at 909 or 1111. Thanks again for listening to the Lighthouse Community Podcast.